Today's reading starts with a parable. That's a little story with a big meaning. Jesus tells it in nine verses, but the actual story covers almost 3,000 years. It is God telling his story from the beginning to ending with his son coming to earth. As we read this passage together, remember that Mark 11.27 says Jesus is in Jerusalem temple telling this story to chief priests, scribes, and elders. Here it is. Jesus began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a wall around it, dug a vat under the wine press and built a tower and rented it out to vine growers and went on a journey. At the harvest time, he sent a slave to the vine growers in order to receive some of the produce of the vineyard from the vine growers. They took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent them another slave, and they wounded him in the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another, and they killed him, and so with many others, beating some and killing others. He had one more to send, a beloved son. He sent him last of all to them, saying, They will respect my son. But those vine growers said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. They took him, killed him, and threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the vine growers, and they will give the vineyard to others. That's Mark 12, 1 through 9. Verse 6 is the fast forward to the present of this story. The vineyard owner, the father, had one more to send, and that was his beloved son, believing that they would respect him. Yet the story ends with them killing the owner's son. Who do you think Jesus is speaking about? It's his own bio. In fact, to make sure there is no misunderstanding, Jesus tells these religious Old Testament experts that this story is connected with the scriptures they know so well as he quotes them Psalm 118. Here it is in verse 10 and 11. Have you not read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord and it's marvelous in our eyes. Jesus reminds us in the story that this is God's planet and we are just stewards of it. I don't know if you've ever rented a house, a piece of property, an apartment that belonged to you and the renters forgot that it, is in, that is, it isn't their property. From the way they treated it and even becoming lax in their rent payments, they assumed the role of an owner. I'm always reminded of the 1901 hymn, This Is My Father's World. It goes like this. This is my father's world. Oh, let me never forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my father's world. Why should my heart be sad? The Lord is king. Let the heavens ring. God reigns. Let the earth be glad. We are the renters and God is the owner. This is our father's world and we are simply stewards of it. It's always dangerous when the renters act as though they are the owners, and it is especially dangerous when the owner is God. It's easy for us to forget and act like we're owners with our money and tithing when we give God our 10%, but really it all belongs to God. We get to steward the other 90%. The same thing is true of our lives, which the Apostle Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. You are not your own, You've been bought with a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. When some women begin to announce that their bodies are their own, my body, my choice regarding abortion practices and laws, nothing could be further from the truth. The renters are acting like owners. Those ladies and legislators are all bought with a price. In order to say those kind of words, you have to kill the son. One fundamental problem is that they did. They did. 
but he rose again. The renters are still renters. We have to honor the son. Years ago, I heard an amazing story about a wealthy man who had one son. He loved him dearly. He was a lover of art, and he taught his son to love fine art also. Because he was wealthy, he and his son amassed a valuable private collection of priceless works of art. When he was old enough, the son joined the Marines and was deployed to Vietnam, where he was killed in action. The father's heart was broken. Several years later, when the wealthy man died, his estate planned to auction off his works of art, which were estimated to be worth in the millions of dollars that they were going to be auctioned at. The day of the auction, with art dealers crowding in waiting to bid on the Van Goghs and the Monets, the lawyer announced that before any of the valuable art could be auctioned, the deceased had left specific instructions that the portrait of his son must be auctioned off first. Get on with it, the impatient art dealers complain. Get that picture out of the way so we can bid on the real art. The auctioneer held up the painting. Who who will you give me? Who will give me a hundred dollars for the picture of the sun? No one replied. Finally, a friend of the sun, who's also a soldier with him, said, I'll give you twenty dollars for it. Twenty once, the auctioneer said, looking around. Twenty twice, sold for twenty dollars. At that moment, the rich man's attorney stepped forward again and announced, ladies and gentlemen, there will be no more bidding. My client left secret and specific instructions that whoever bought the painting of his son would receive all the other works of art at no additional charge. To quote the words in his last will and testament, he wrote, whoever chooses my son gets it all. This concludes the auction. Whoever chooses the son gets it all. As Romans 10, 11 reminds us, the scripture tells us that no one who believes in Christ will ever be disappointed. Not church, not religion, not a denomination, only the son.